All right, what's up, Metro Praise International? Wow, this is loud. <laughs> how are you guys doing this afternoon? I said, how are you guys doing this afternoon? Yes, there we go, there we go. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Man, praise the Lord for this weather, right? Let's give it up for the Lord for this beautiful Sunday. All right, I'm Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Thank you guys for coming so much. You guys are in for a treat today. Um, I'll just leave it at that. I just want you guys to be surprised. But why don't we all stand up real quick? All right. All right. So we usually start our services with a testimony. And I would like to call up my brother, Jose Riesco. He's going to come and share what God has been doing in his life so far. So please give a warm welcome to Jose as he shares. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, just a quick testimony. Uh, well, just being a Christian a couple years, you know, it wasn't easier. I, I mean, you could think from the outside, I'm going to be a Christian. It's going to be fun. It, it is fun, but it's a lot harder than you think, and it's a lot of work. But, for, but it's through the spirit that you can do all things. Amen. And I love this scripture. When I think about tough times with family or friends or, or, or at work, and when I'm stressed out of work, this scripture, man, this scripture will encourage you. It will encourage you. It's, Roman, it's a famous scripture, Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in all things. He says that we know in all things, in all things, that means good, bad, all things, things in the middle, all things, God works them out for our good, amen. So the thing you're going through, whether it's good or bad, God is going to work it out for the good of those who love him. Not everybody, not for sinners, he's going to work it out for everybody who loves him. So if you love God, man, the good things and the bad things, God's going to work them out for you, amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. You said the heavens and the earth. You said everything we see, our own feelings, everything's going to fade away, but your word will endure forever. Your word will endure forever. Thank you, God, for your word that endures forever. I pray that everybody would know that everything we're going through, all of us, all of us would know that everything we're going through, you're going to work it out for our good. That's because we love you and you're a good father. And Lord, I pray for the worship service, that your spirit would touch everybody and for the word that it would cut all of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, Metro Praise. Put your hands together with me like this. Close to you, the 
earth and oceans deep only reflect this truth and in my darkest you shine Father this morning. Hallelujah. Are you thankful that we serve a good Jesus, a good daddy? Come on, give him one more hand clap of praise.
will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Of death, 
yourself to tease us. Oh, oh. 
Come on, say it. sense the sweet presence of Jesus in this room today. I sense hungry hearts. I want you guys to lift your hands all across this room and I want you to close your eyes as you're focused on Jesus right now. I want you to know that he's calling you to a deeper place. He's calling you to a new a new level in him. And many times I know some of you probably think that if I could only experience God like this when I'm here on Sunday morning with everybody around me, if I could just experience the power and the presence of God, all this joy, all this peace here, I'm here to tell you, he's there with you wherever you go. When you wake up Monday morning, you got to start your work week, he's there with you. He's there with you Wednesday when you're driving home from work and you're stuck in traffic. He's there in the car and he wants to allow you to experience his presence right there in that moment. He's with you on Friday when it's not payday. My friends, this morning, God is there with you every waking moment of every single minute of your day. And I want us to get a little closer today. I want you guys to exercise your faith, exercise your ability to press in. So we're going to sing that song again, and I want you guys to get hungry to know that God is with you wherever you go, and he wants you to know him. The Bible says he wants us to be found by him, to know his love like no other love, to find your identity, your security, your purpose, your place in him. No matter what season of life you are in, whether in your mountaintop and you're in a valley low, God is there. And he's saying, come closer, come closer, go deeper in me, because there's things I want to show you. There's things he wants you to know. There's things he wants to speak to your heart, reveal to you, when it comes to your hunger and a relationship with him. So let's sing that again. Take me a little deeper, and I want you guys to go after God like you've never gone after Jesus before, ever. So come pull hungry. me a little closer. Take me a little deeper, I want to know your 
Holy Spirit, I ask that you move in this place. Speak to your people this afternoon, Jesus. We want a word from you, oh God. I want to give some time right now for the Holy Spirit to move. If there's anybody here that feels like they have a word from the Lord, I want you to speak it out. We're going to tarry in his presence just a little bit longer. Jesus comes when we're hungry, church. Let's open up our hearts to hear what he has to say. 
Church, let's take a few moments to respond. God is calling us to surrender. There's things in your hands that you're not letting go of, and God is saying if you were to just let go of your trust, of your love for these things, and release them to me, I will be greater in your life. I will do more than all these things put together can do on their own. Come on. I want you to go after Jesus right now and say, God, take this. Take that. My job belongs to you. My family belongs to you. My, my reputation, God, it's yours. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever material possession, whatever stronghold, whatever uh, comfortable thing that you have in your life that you feel like you can't live without, it could be a relationship for some of you. If you're not married today and you're with somebody that does not know Jesus, you need to surrender that relationship to him. Come on few more seconds as you guys respond to that word. God is calling you to surrender. He doesn't want pieces of your heart. He wants everything you have. A life fully surrendered to him. Father, we give to you this. We trust you, God. We give you everything. We hold nothing back. We hold nothing back. Everything that you give us, God, is what we need for life, for godliness. We trust you. Take everything out of our hand that we're holding on to, God, and have your way in us. Hallelujah, Lord. Take us to a new place, God. I ask that Metro Praise International will grow. We'll grow in the knowledge of who you are. We'll grow in the knowledge of your promises. We'll grow in maturity, God, and, and the knowledge of your word. To walk by faith and not by sight. To fully surrender to your will and to your ways. Have your way in us and through us, oh God, in our job, in our families, God, in our neighborhoods. God, may we be a witness. May we be a light to the people around us. Do a new thing in us, oh God. Your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. So I pray you would continue to transform us and renew us to make us more like you, God. That is our prayer today. That is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, if that's your heart, give the Lord a hand clap of praise this afternoon. Come on. He is worthy. Jesus, you are worthy of our lives. We bless your name. Hallelujah. You may be seated this afternoon. Praise the Lord. Who's excited they came to church today? I know I'm excited to see you here. We welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. At this time, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 3, some of the most important words we could ever hear. This is a very popular Bible verse children learn in Sunday school. And it says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And that message is for those of you this morning who are not right with God. You've been relying on your good deeds or you've been relying on religion to save you and to make you feel like you're right with God. But I want to tell you today, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the only way and we must repent of our sins and turn from our ways and turn to him and follow him wholeheartedly. In full surrender, full submission to his will and to his ways. It's only through the blood of Jesus. Jesus was crucified on that cross. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. And because he did that, we could have new life. We could be born again on the inside. Our spirit needs to be made alive. Because every single one of us is born dead in our nature. When we are born, we are born dead in our spirit. And only Jesus can make our spirit alive. And that's through fully surrendering to him. 
So with all eyes closed, all across this room, if you know God has been dealing with you, you know he's been sending people your way, you know he's been wanting you to get it right. Today is your day to surrender. And I'm going to pray, and I want you to agree with me in prayer. If you know you need to get it right with Jesus, let today be the day of your salvation. Lord, I thank you for everybody in this room. Lord, your word says you knock on the door of our heart. And if we, if we can open the door of our heart, you'll come in and commune with us. And I pray, Lord God, that every door that you're knocking on right now, that they would let you in, Jesus, and repent and humble themselves before you and say, Jesus, forgive me. That they would bow to their knee and say, you are my Lord, you are my God. Let your saving power be in this place today, God. I declare new birth, new life in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet with me. We're going to have prayer workers right here. During the fellowship time, I want to invite you to come and receive prayer from them. They want to pray for you, pray with you as you made this commitment to Jesus. And they're going to teach you. They're going to explain to you how you can get discipled in the church and really get plugged in and connect and do all that God has for you to do. At this time, we're going to recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. This is how we see the world around us. It's through the lens of Scripture. So if you're ready to recite this with me, let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Clap it up for Jesus. Spend some time, meet somebody that you don't know.
everybody to Metro Praise. Hallelujah. We are so happy to be walking with you in, in the Lord. And I just want to say welcome, everyone. My name is Jerry. I am a campus pastor here at Metro. Um, we are so excited that you decided to make this service your service today. And so every week we have two services. We have one at 10 and one at 1 p.m. So pick which one you want to belong to and just keep coming. We also have Elevate. Let's do that again. Elevate. That's right. We have Elevate Youth Service for students 11 to 18 every week, Friday night at 7 p.m. So if you know any teenagers, you want to get them plugged into an awesome, on-fire church that is just teaching the word, um, teaching them how to, to live it out, bring them here Friday nights every 7. You can even drop them off a little early if you got to, all right? Um, so we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. We want to connect you guys. We want to connect you to our life groups. We want to mentor you with the 101 and the 201. And then we want to send you out to change the world for Jesus. And then we have this strategy to make this happen. And that is our strategy. And then we have our goal, which is 100,000 disciples in the city of Chicago with 50 churches here in the city and 500 around the world. Amen. And so I want to tell you guys how to get connected. This is what's going on. If you look at the back of your handout, that tells you everything you need to know, every place that there is to go in this church to connect. So this week, we have Wednesday, King's Kids. It's infant to 11 years old. You meet 6.30 here at the church. If you have little ones or you're friends with little ones, you want to bring them here, and they are going to teach them and train them with our Royal Rangers and our Impact Girls Club. Thursday, we have gang outreach. Who knows that this, this city needs to stop the violence, all right? And, and that... Um, so they are going out there, hitting the street. They are specifically looking for gang bangers in order to give them the gospel to see them saved. Lo and uh, you can meet at that address at 7 p.m. Thursday night. Uh, Friday night, we have two adult Bible studies. That is 18 years and up. One is at the Goveas. They are the campus pastors of our first service. Or you can come and join me and my husband, Tony, at the Vivid's Life Group on Friday nights. I love seeing y'all there. <laughs> and you can just meet at that address. If you have any questions, talk to us after service. Then we want to mentor you. If you are not in the 101 or 201, that is what we want to do with you guys. We want to get you plugged in. So 101 is going to help you know how to, how to really just walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus. You're going to meet one-on-one -on -one with, with an elder or deacon here in the church, and they are going to walk with you in life. Then we're going to move you into our 201, which is a classroom base, and it's going to really teach you on how to be a disciple that goes and makes disciples. And then we want to send you out. So every single Saturday night, they're going to meet here at the church. You, anyone is welcome to go. It is all ages, 5 to 8 p.m. They're hitting the streets. This is a great way where you can learn how to share your faith, know your faith, and be encouraged to go and see your friends, your family, anyone saved. So you guys just come on out. It is a great time. So again, just to recap, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is to connect you to, to Jesus, get connected to a life group, then to mentor you with 101, 201, and then to send you out. And if you believe that we can do it, say amen. 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 Next, 
We want to tell you about our tithes. We believe in a tithe is 10% of your total income. This is what it teaches in the word of God, and we stick to that, and we adhere to that because tithe breaks off the greed in our hearts and gives back to God what he's so freely given us. And so we have also a couple other ways to give. We have missions offering and a building offering. So we are going to go to our, um, there are four ways to give. Um, okay, sorry. Um, we want to go to our giving book. This is what where we're teaching you guys a little bit more about tithes and offerings. So we are in lesson three, which is offerings are a generous gift to God. Okay, so definition, our offering is a gift to God after our tithes. And our scripture for this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So our main points is generous. Be generous to be generous means to give freely in abundance. Being generous is the opposite of being selfish and stingy. At the same time, the amount doesn't determine the generosity, but rather the heart. For example, Jesus said a poor widow gave the most to God because she gave everything she had. So it's not about the quantity, but at the quality of your gift. Is it your best? It's individualized. Since each person's financial situation is different, God doesn't require offerings to be a certain amount. Just how the tithe is 10% of everyone's total income, the offering is always supposed to be generous, freely given in abundance in regards to everyone's individual circumstances. Amen. Give out of your own pocket. You cannot give out of someone else's pocket. You can only give what you have. Don't compare. When giving your offerings, don't compare your best to someone else's. For some people, giving an extra $25 a month is generous. And for others, they can give up to $500 or more. It all depends on what God has given them and told them to give. However, each person's gift should be his or her best. So in summary, determine what is your best generous offering that you can give freely each month and give it with joy. Application, be a faithful tither. Give to God what he has given you. Pray and seek God for what is considered generous in your life. And three, be a generous giver. So we're going to recite this confession of faith about giving. And the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Amen. If you guys believe that, we have four ways to give here at the church. Um, you can bring your, your tithe, your offering up to the front. You can put them in either of the giving buckets here in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. Um, we also have the ability to take it with a credit card in the back if that's what you prefer, or you can go online with QuickPay, PayPal, and Bill Pay. And so we just want to pray right now for those um, offerings. If you guys would all stand with me, and uh, we're going to recite our confession of faith before we pray, and it is Philippians 4.8. 
And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Father God, we just thank you so much for giving us an abundance, that you withhold no good thing, that you don't hold back, you don't give us pieces of your heart, but you give us your whole heart, God. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint the seeds that people are pouring into this place, into your kingdom, God, and I pray that they would receive the rich reward that you have for them, God, and I pray that they would give with a generous and happy heart, God, because that's what counts the most, Lord, and so we just lift this to you, God. We just pray you bless the giving and the giver. In Jesus' mighty name, and we all said amen. Rejoice as you give. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. How many love Jesus? Let me get a whoop, whoop. Amen. I want to introduce a new married couple that I had the honor of doing their ceremony over the weekend. Would you please stand up? Jose and Nicole Cruz. Amen. Amen. It's Cruz, right? Okay. Congratulations again. It went from Hernandez to Cruz. Amen. You may be seated. Brother B, come on up. Let's give it up for BZ. Brandon holding the house. Brandon and I go back about 12 years. We used to work at a church together. He has been singing and giving God glory for a long time. Been my friend. We stayed together for a little bit. And then let me just say this, man. He is such a blessing, and he doesn't come asking really for anything. We're able just to, you know, give him a few shekels and bless him. But he plays. He's so humble, but he plays at the biggest churches in the country. I think you filled up a stadium with some of your guys in Atlanta. Yes. How many people were there? A couple thousand, 10,000? A lot. Yeah. Yeah, more than here. But you come to little old us because you love us. You love us. Okay, now here's the deal. What I want us to do is just support him, okay? He's going to tell you a bunch of ways to do it. But let me just say from my heart, you can follow him on Facebook and Twitter, share him with your friends on YouTube and all of that. Buy an album here or on YouTube, I mean on iTunes, or buy some of his products because he's already sold out already. But I just want to tell you as a church, he's a good guy to support. So tell him how they can do it in your words. Thanks. Pastor, we love you. And Joe, Pastor Joe Awesome. He's been this way forever. I just, this is nothing new. It's not an act. I'll tell it. When I lived with him, uh, it was great. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Interesting four months. Precious moments. Uh, hey, listen, I am so excited about being here. Uh, when I found out I was going to be in Chicago, I was at another conference uh, Friday and Saturday. 
And uh, I called, the first person I called was Joe and Nancy. I said, y'all, I'm coming home, right? I'm going to come and hang, and I'm going to get to go stay at their house a couple days and just get loved on. You know, how many know they love people, right? So I'm blessed, and uh, uh, just wanted to tell you real quick, uh, we basically sold out. I brought, like, my, my suitcase for product weighed 64 pounds, and uh, so it's only supposed to be 50, right? Well, the chick who was uh, checking me into Delta, man, favor of God was on me. She didn't even overcharge, like she didn't charge me. Like she just let it go right on through and was real cool. She found out I was a minister. And uh, so we've sold out of pretty much everything. I think all the shirts are gone. All my T-shirts are gone. You can go, though, on my website. I have two really cool shirts. One says, Worship is my weapon. The other one has a big peace sign with a hand like this. It says, Peace out, Jezebel. Really cool shirt, right? And uh, what I just found out is uh, um, a couple, we had some Syrian refugees here this morning. And uh, Pastor Joe would give them a card and told them, you know, hey, go take this card and get two of the shirts. Well, he was meaning two of the awesome MPI shirts. Well, they took it to my brother and said, you know, he said to get two of the shirts. So we gave them two of the Peace Out Jezebel shirts. So now we have Islamic Syrian refugees that are going to be wearing a Peace Out Jezebel shirt around Chicago. I'm like, what? Come on, Jesus, right? So anyway. Oh, boom, hello. Just go to my website, brandonholtmusic.com. See? I look at the technology that you guys have. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. Oh, ah. Yeah, now that's what you're hearing. We just sang that this morning. That's on iTunes right now. So you can go search my name and get that. It's 99 cents. Woo, hallelujah. Uh, I also, it's funny because my first tattoo, I got delivered from religion. And uh, I finally got a tattoo, right? And uh, hallelujah. And it says, it's the other single we got on iTunes called Less of Me, More of You. How many, how many understand John 3 says that we have to decrease so he can increase? Amen. And that's the cry of my heart. So you can go purchase those on iTunes. That'd be great support. If you want any of the albums, I have one album here. Uh, it's really more of, it's called The Lost Tracks. Nobody's ever heard it. It's back when I lived here, and it's a project we never released. And uh, so you can get that here today. Uh, but I have another one called Daily Worship, which is an incredible worship project. It's just me and a keyboard, and I just believe it'll take you into the glory. Uh, and then we have Warfare, which is more of a prophetic Jesus culture, uh, full band kind of thing. So uh, three albums you can support. Uh, you can go on the website and purchase them. They're digital downloads. If you'd like to purchase them here, uh, we take credit, cash, all that, and we can email you the download links for since I don't have them physically here. Last thing is uh, I offer online piano courses. It's a video course that I took time, and uh, I was teaching so many people um, at one point that I just didn't have the time to do it. So I recorded three months' worth of lessons, all right, and I put it on a video. It's online, and you can go. It's called Basic Piano Techniques. 30 bucks gets you three months' worth of lessons. If you took three months from me, you'd pay over $300. I just want to bless people. So you get to learn at your own pace, at your own time, you know, how you want to, and it's right there. You can watch it on your phone, an iPad, an iPod. <laughs> oh. There you go. See, he's the man. That's the, that's the, uh, I think there's a little video. Yep. It kind of shows you. And I, I literally take you through teaching you everything you need to know 
within three months you'll be playing. You can go from not knowing one name of a song or name of a chord or name of a even note, and you'll be able to play in three months, okay? So here's the cool thing, though. Now, <coughs> thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Just oh, one more thing. If you are interested, and we have this email available, we had jump drives, we sold out of them, but if you'd like to get all three of the albums and the piano lessons, okay, I do all of that as a package. It's an email. No, no, no. Incorrect. I'm saving myself for the right one. Praise the Lord. But uh, this guy right here. But uh, you can get all of that uh, in an email. It's got all the download links and Good Good Father, uh, all for 50 bucks. So I think that's a deal. It's a blessing. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for supporting me. I'm so honored to be here. Now give it up for the coolest. The man with the pla- the man, the myth, and the legend, Pastor, Bishop, Apostle, Prophet Joe Rarostic. Come take a seat in the front. Don't be hiding on the side now. Come on. Open up your Bibles with me to Second Peter chapter one. We're in a sermon series called Spiritual Growth. This has been an amazing time after Easter. The church has been growing. Thank you, Second Service folks, for coming and enjoying our Second Service. It's made it over a year now. It's been successful. We love giving you the two options or some who just like to sleep in. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Second Service. It's been a great blessing for us. Now, in spiritual growth, we've covered some lessons already. They're online, mpichurch.org. Or you can go to the Facebook page, and I have the notes today right there for you so you can follow along. I got some great graphics for you there. Today's message is the spiritual life. I thought I would take a moment to really show you what it's like to grow spiritually. You know, you can have an academic life. You know, I'm getting my doctorate right now. You can have an academic life but not have a spiritual life. But if you have a spiritual life, you'll have meaning in your academic life. You can have a family life and not have a spiritual life. That means you can love your husband, wife, have children, but that doesn't mean you have a spiritual life. Now listen, you can have a religious life. You can be religious. You can go to church. You can go to Bible studies. You can do religious things and still not have a spiritual life. So I thought I would just kind of interject into the sermon series here the understanding of what we're talking about. We're not talking about just growing mentally in education. We're not talking about just growing in our families, though I have my fifth one on the way. We just found out this week it was a girl, amen, Joy. Lorraine Wyrostic, and I just love to tell you, I love making babies. God said, be fruitful and multiply, and I said, yes, Lord, I will do that. And so we're going for about a dozen or until mom says, stop, until she says, stop, I'm going, because uh, until she says it in that voice, it has to be, stop. Uh, and I, <laughs> but I'm going to keep making babies by God's grace. But listen, you can grow your family, you can grow your house, you can get more things, more toys, uh, more material items, and still be empty on the inside. What I'm teaching you today is the secret of success in life, okay? Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He also said, what does it profit or gain a man to get the whole world, yet lose his soul? So what we want to talk about is your foundation, how to grow in your spirit. Because if your spiritual life is growing, it will be uh, natural for you to want to grow in other areas of your life. And instead of those things bringing burdens, like uh, more money, more problems, you'll have wisdom with your money and less problems. You'll have wisdom with your family and less problems. You'll have wisdom and education and less 
problems. Everybody say less problems. I don't want problems. Do you want problems? I don't want trouble. I don't want spiritual death. I want spiritual life. And it comes from knowing Jesus. So today we're going to start off with the introduction. And even if you're a visitor here today or you've never learned about the word, we had Syrian refugees in our first service. And it started right there with them. It can start with you today. It doesn't matter. I make my messages so simple. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to get this. You're going to get this. You're going to understand it. Okay? Now hold your place in 2 Peter chapter 1 because i got to get to the uh, intro here. Jesus said in John 3, 3, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. That's Jesus talking. This is not reincarnation. This doesn't mean after you got, die, you get another try. There are no more tries after you die. In this life, Jesus is saying to you, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He then went on in that same passage to clarify that the born-again life was a spiritual life. Everybody go spiritual. Thank you. It was a spiritual life. And this is what he said. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. That means you came here in a body because your mom and dad got together and made your body. But if you were to track it all the way back, it goes to Adam and Eve. So whatever Adam and Eve had, we got a piece of. And here's the sad part. They had sinned and broke God's law in the garden. We're not in the garden of Eve. Uh, Eden anymore, right? Because of Eve's mistake. Everybody can agree with that. Like if this is an imperfect world with pain and problems and deformities of our bodies and problems in life, okay? We inherited this. Now all of us manifest it differently. Some of us have the attributes of our great, 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 great parents different. So for me, I was born in the flesh with an angry propensity towards temp, uh, being an angry person, a propensity towards my temper. I was perverse. And, and as the older that I got, I realized that there was a battle within me. There was a right and wrong and wrong was mostly winning. Okay. So Jesus now says the kind of birth you need is a rebirth, but the birth is a spiritual birth. So you don't need to do things fleshly to change your spirit. Spirit has to change spirit. Does everybody get that? So if you're going to get born again, you need a spiritual father or a spiritual power to rebirth you. Now, there is no mother God, so father God and mother God don't get together and make Jesus the son of God. Don't get confused on that. The Bible says that God can create all on his own, okay? So he doesn't use sexuality to do it. So what happens is the Holy Spirit births in us a spirit the similar way to how your mom and dad got together and you were birthed in flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. What kind of life do we need? A spiritual life. Jesus said, be born again. Now, as a result, one of Jesus's apostles, Paul, who writes a lot of the New Testament, he wrote in Galatians 5.25, since we, what? Live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's like my best robotic little thing here. I don't even know how to do that. I'm so lame, but I'm going to do it because it feels right. Can anybody do the robotic person? I'll put uh, the robotic thing. Really? I'll put you so on the spot right now to do the little robot because that's what I think when I think of keeping in step with the spirit, like, er, boom, er, boom, right? Keep in step with the spirit. Now think about that. I'm adding a little humor to it, but think about it. If you have been given the spirit and you live by the spirit, that must be mean you're able to walk with the spirit. So now you've already gotten the components of today's message. Therefore, everybody should be born again by the Spirit. 
Everyone should live daily by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. That's what it means to live the spiritual life. Everybody say, get born again. Everybody say, live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. So that's where we need to know. That's uh, where Peter is coming from when we read the text that we've been learning about all month long. So at the beginning of April, we started our sermon series, Spiritual Growth. And now we're going to read this passage, and hopefully you're understanding why we're doing this. Because we want a spiritual life. And if you're not born again, you get born again. And if you are born again, you start living by the Spirit and living things grow. And then those of us who are living and growing by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. And we'll see renewal of our mind. Our mind will be changed in how we think. And we'll see transformation of behavior. Our lives will actually change. So let's see how Peter says it. Look there to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let's just take a little survey here. How many of you already believe in Jesus, that he's your Lord and Savior, and you believe you're really saved, like God has changed your life? This is a good place to, say, to share it because you don't want to be ashamed of that, right? So here's a good place to share it. Now, guess what Peter says? You have received a faith as precious as his. So Peter's faith is no different than yours. When Peter was in the boat and God said to, uh, Jesus said to him, come, he got out and walked on water. If you were in that boat and Jesus had spoken to you, you could have done exactly what Peter did. There was nothing inherent in Peter's flesh that made him different. The only difference was between him and the others that in his spirit, he believed what Jesus had said. He had decided in his heart to believe. Now, let me give you an example of how we do this all the time, but not necessarily with God. When, when you believe your friend is going to pick you, let me start back and like say this. If you ask your friend to come pick you up at 5, the mo and he says yes or she says yes, do most of us believe they're going to keep their word? Right? Yeah, we do. If they're our friend, they're going to come and not leave us hanging and, and come at 6 or 7. They're going to come at 5. How many of you, when you go over a bridge, you trust that the bridge is going to hold the car, the bus, whatever? You don't jump off the bus, jump off the car, get out the car, and go, hold on, hold on. Before I cross this bridge, I'm going to investigate it. No, you trust it, right? Okay, so think about it like this. Faith is trusting God. Faith is trusting God. Faith is saying, I believe him. Yeah, I've read the book. I've heard the stories. He walked upon this earth. He was a perfect man. He died on the cross. He rose again. I believe it. Now, here's the special thing that Peter is saying. If you're doing that, you have faith as precious as him. That means whatever God had the apostles do and they could do, it was by faith, not by their flesh. So whatever God asked you to do, you can do by faith, not by your flesh. So let's get rid of all these excuses that say, I can't live for God. Hey, I'm not the apostle Peter, am I? No, you're not, but you have faith as precious as him. So if God asked him to walk on water and Peter did it, how do you do it? By faith. And if Jesus asked you to come to the church every Sunday, how are you going to do it? By faith. And if he asked you to go to work tomorrow with a good attitude, you're going to do it by faith. And husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ does the church by faith. And children are supposed to obey their parents by faith. And we're supposed to give in the offering by faith. And we're supposed to share our faith with others by faith. And so whatever God has asked us to do, we can do because he's given us the power to do it. 
And that's what he continues on to say. Look at Peter. He keeps going. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So follow uh, Peter's thinking here. He goes, hey, Guys, I'm writing you a letter, and I'm letting you know you got faith as precious as ours, grace and peace to you. And remember, God, his, his divine power has given you everything you need for a godly life through your knowledge of him. So do you have everything you need today to live for God? Yes, you do. Think about like this. November 5th, 1995, I got saved. That day, I was not a husband. I was not a father. I was not a Bible college student. I wasn't a pastor. I was none of those things. But the day I got saved, by Jesus' power, he gave me everything I would ever need. So that when I started Bible college, I didn't have to go look around for help. I could say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Through Christ Jesus, I can do all things. Because it was already given to me at salvation. I just had to know about it. I had to learn about my inheritance. Some of uh, my daughters like to watch with my wife these uh, uh, stories, you know, princess diaries where she finds out she's a princess to some weird country, you know. And it's like, wow, don't you wish you were that person? Well, all people in the children of God have a kingdom that they're a part of with unlimited resources. And the great joy of Christianity, though I can't tell it by many of your facial expressions right now, but the great joy of Christianity, what makes me smile, is that I already got everything I need for a godly life. Hallelujah. He's given me divine power to turn my frown upside down and to smile in church, right? He's put a little pep in my step. I can whistle while I work. Does that mean every day is going to be a good day? No, it just means every day is a good day with Jesus. When bad things come my way, I have divine power to make it through. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got the power. Ah! And then look what it says. We not only get to have everything we need for a godly life, but we participate in the divine nature. Remember that thing I taught you about being born again and how flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit? We were given a naughty nature by our parents. Our earthly parents gave us a naughty nature. So I like to say it like this. I was born in the flesh in naughty nature, with a naughty nature. But I got born again in the spirit with the divine nature. Now, does it say I become God like him and share his attributes of all-knowing, all-powerful, and present at every place? No, I participate in the divine nature. And what that means is morally I share in his same character now. I become what he is because he became what I was. He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And what we see is when we participate in the divine nature, as I like to say, dance with the divine, stay in step with the spirit, is we escape the corruption in this world caused by what? Evil desires. So walk through what Peter's saying here. 
Everybody can have faith as precious as him as long as you just trust Jesus. Boom, you've got it. There's no differentiation between it. Just trust him and you have the faith. Just like we all go over the same bridge, we can have the same faith. Then if we go, well, I kind of feel weak in my faith. I don't know if I can live for Jesus. He says, well, i got power and I've got divine power to give you everything you need. Put that in your little complaining pipe and smoke it. Oh, yeah, man, I think I can do it. Yeah. Get high on the Holy Ghost. Hello, ain't no high like the most high. Give Jesus a try. Amen? I always like to say put that in your religious pipe and smoke it because you all need to get high on Jesus. Stop breathing in the things of this world and the doubt of this world. Say, I got power on the inside of me. And then if you go, well, I'm scared sometimes. I don't know if I can do it. Well, then dance with the divine participate in the divine nature. Move where he moves you. Love how he loves. Do you always do it perfectly? No. Have I made mistakes? Of course. And we still will as we move forward. But we don't have to. We can learn to get better and to grow up spiritually to see where he's placing his feet. Uh, you know, so you're in traffic. Somebody cuts you off. You want to let them know what you think about them. All of a sudden, you can see where God is leading you. Participate in the divine nature. Say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do and I want to hurt him real bad. Jesus, but forgive him. Oh, thank you, Lord. You got a choice. You got a choice. You can let the cray out or you can let the divine out. Hello. I'd rather let the world see Jesus than my stinking thinking and bad attitude. And the Bible says by doing that, guess what happens? I escape the evil in this world. I escape it. I get set free from it. I don't have to be trapped by it. So people who are here who feel stuck in temptation, we're supposed to pray, lead me not into temptation, Jesus, but deliver me from evil. And as we pray that prayer, Jesus is going to remind you of this kind of a passage and say, stay in step with me, participate with me, trust my divine power and the promises that I've given you, promises that are great and precious that say he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that you're a new creation, that you're the righteousness of God, you're holy because he is holy, that you are the apple of his eye, that you're a sheep in his sheepfold, and that he loves and cares for you deeply. Now, how many believe those things? Amen. Now, for this very reason, Peter goes on to say the things now we must do. You see, we're not trying to do, do, do to be made new, because if I keep trying to do good things, I'll never be able to be the new person God told me to be, because good things can't change me. Only Jesus can change me. That's the only good work I can do is admit that I'm a bad work, that I don't do good things. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is not trying to help the helper, help people who are doing a little bit on their own and doing 50 on their own. Jesus is going to take you the rest of the way. That's not grace. Grace is you admitting that you're dead in your sins, can't do nothing for yourself, and Christ doing all the work. Now, for the, si for the saved person, make every effort to add to your faith. See, what saved me was faith. How am I saved? By faith. Am I saved by good works? No, but now that I have been made new, now I can do, do, do. So it's not trying to do, do, do to be made new, new, new. No, it's be made new, new, new so you can do, do, do. Get your do's and your news set right, okay? Because if you go with do, do, do's first, it's only going to smell like do, do. Because he says your righteous deeds are like filthy rags to him before you come and admit you're a sinner. Because sinners can't save themselves. Sinners are saved 
to be made saints, to then add to their faith these wonderful things. Add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness and godliness mutual affection and mutual affection love. So those are seven attributes that the Christian, the Christ-like person should be making every effort to add to their faith. Now verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So have you ever seen somebody know Jesus and then walk away from Jesus? The problem was they stopped doing these things. They at one time believed in Jesus, had faith, then they stopped believing and did other things. Those people who have faith will have the fruit of faith, which are these seven things. Now lastly, look at what he says. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to uh, confirm your calling and election. How many of you believe Jesus has called you to be a Christian? Can I hear an amen? How many believe Jesus voted for you and said, I want you, I elect you to be a Christian? Can I hear an amen? Okay, so do what Christians do then. Live by faith and add to your faith those seven things. Now do it. Confirm your calling. Pick up the phone when Jesus says, hey, I've called you to be a good husband. Husbands, pick up the phone and go, hello, Jesus. Yeah, okay, I'll be a good husband. Amen. And then if you go, well, I don't know what to do, Jesus will go, here, here are those seven things I want you to do as a husband. Add goodness to your marriage. Add knowledge. Add self-control. Add perseverance. Add godliness. Add mutual affection and love. And then the husbands can go, amen. Now, hold on. I want you to tell that to my wife. Okay, she, Jesus is calling you too, honey. And then the wife can pick up the phone and go, yeah, what do you want, Jesus? Hey, I want to tell you the same thing. I told your husband. I want you to grow up in your faith and add these seven things so that you can be effective and productive. But if anybody stops doing those things, they backslide. So I want to confirm my calling. I want to confirm my election. And then it says, for if you do these things, you will never what? You will never, you will never Say it like you mean it. You will never stumble. Thank you. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So can I get all your attention here, please? Is it important to grow up spiritually? You think so? Because if you don't do it, you don't get into the eternal kingdom. You're nearsighted and blind, the Bible says, and you're forgetting that you've been cleansed from your past sins. Do you want to be the person that only lives nearsighted for 70 years for your little world down here, for your education, your family, and then after you die, you don't get to go to into the eternal kingdom? You don't get a rich welcome? Is that what you want? No, don't you want to live your life for Christ, that all that you do here, you don't make excuses for, you live for Jesus. If you stumble, you get back up because you live for God on your job, you live for God in your family, you live for God in your community, and when you get to heaven, it's like, bum, 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 welcome on up here, here comes Nandri, bum, 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 and Nandri comes up and they give her a crown, come on, is that what you want? I want a celebration when I come to heaven. I don't want to be kicked out and then them, them say to me, you didn't have faith. You didn't trust God. You tried to do it on your own. You tried to be a self-made man, a self-made success. But what you became was a self-made mess. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? Look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. Are you guys ready for the message now? Okay, because I got three charts to run through the, run through with you guys today. And some of you are like, ha, ha, he's serious, isn't he? Yeah, this is the message, okay. That was all the stuff you've heard all before. But here's some stuff I want to show you that you haven't heard today. 
Now, when we look at spiritual growth, as I've shown you in the introduction, there's really three components here that I want you to take on and to understand. The first one is the new man, or we could say the new creation. When I mean man, I mean the Hebrew word Adam, which meant creation. There's also a man in the Bible named Adam, but there is also mankind, Adam, in the Bible. So that's what I mean by that. So this is genderless. The new man is what Christ does within us. Then everybody say spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is knowing, showing, and growing. Knowing, showing, and growing. And then everybody say renewal and transformation. Renewal is the changing of the mind, and transformation is the changing of how we live. As you can see, the new man is settled on the inside, the center of this example, shining as the light of the world. Christ is within that new person. They are saved in their spirit, purified in their soul. As you see now with spiritual growth, there's a cycle that begins to happen. Knowing, showing, growing. Knowing, showing, growing. Last week I showed you this chart, and I want to remind you of knowing, showing, and growing. There are three main things that God wants you to know in life so that you can grow. These three things are is that he wants you to know that he is God and Savior. How many believe Jesus is a God, our God and Savior? There is no other God besides him in case I messed that up. How many believe Jesus is the God and Savior? Amen. How many believe now that because of Jesus, those of us who are Christians share in the divine nature? We're born again. How many believe that? Because you can believe in God and still go to hell. The devil believes in God and still going to hell. So do you believe in God, and now do you believe in who he said you are? Okay, without him you're a sinner, with him you're a saint. Okay, number three, do you believe you can do what God commanded you to do? You see, if you look at God's commands and go, I'm not sure about that. I'm kind of tempted to murder people all the time. I don't know if I can stop. Well, then you're not going to really believe that you can live holy, right? Or if you're just like, oh, you know, I do have to cuss every now and then. I'll never be able to have wholesome speech. That just won't happen. You're not going to be able to do what God said you can do. So let's go through it, and I'm going to ask you questions. Do you believe God is who he said he is? Do you believe you are who he said you are? Do you believe you can do what he said you can do? Now, that's the first part. That's knowing. The next part is showing. How do you show that you know God? And let me explain how this works in marriage before I show you in, in spiritual life. In marriage, if I know my wife, I will be able to show my wife love, and I'll be able to grow in the love I have for her. Let me give you an example. So let's say I begin to talk to my wife, and I get to know that she loves it when I show my love for her by holding her hand. In public, she'll say, I love uh, special touch. When you spend time with me in public and you hold my hand. See, now I know, I show, then I grow in my love for her. You all get that? I'm going to give you about three more examples till everybody gets it, okay? So another example, let's say I go, honey, I want you to know this about me. When I come home from a hard day's work, I love to have the dinner already ready. I'll let you know three hours in advance when I'll be home. I'll, I'll be home on time. I just, it doesn't even have to be every day, so I'm just trying to play, paint a good picture about myself here. But, but when I do come home on those special days, I just would like the whole dinner to be set up instead of me going and getting the plate and the fork and then the water and then sitting down and the kids are running around. It just would feel special if I could just come home because that's kind of how I was raised. It would just feel special if sometimes I could just come home and the table's already set and I could just go, boom, that would be awesome, right? Come on, women, give me a break. This is not asking too much, right? Be nice. She knows that. Now if she loves me, she will show that. 
and she actually did. Praise God for a good wife. The other day I came home, and literally I just sat right at the table. There was the food. There was the drink, just the way I like it. And I just told her, you know what? You grew me in our marriage so much more. I'm going to be a better husband because of this. Not that I had to have that, but I grew as a husband. You all get that? See, knowing, showing, and growing. Let me go now to kids. Let's talk about raising kids. So, so I go, Bethany, I want you to know this. Bethany's my oldest. She's seven years old. Bethany, I want you to know this about me. Know this about me. I love it when you keep your room clean. When she shows it by keeping her room clean, we grow closer together as father and daughter. Okay, it's the same way with God. When you know God more, you'll know what to show him love. You'll, you'll learn his love languages. And then as you show it, you will grow in your relationship with him, grow in your spiritual walk. So we need to know that Jesus is God and Savior, that we share in the divine nature, and that we can do all that he commands. What are the summary of God's commands? So you look through the New Testament, how we apply the Bible to our life. We're in the New Covenant. There's about 12 major things of how you show your love for God. This is not how you become a Christian. This is what you do to show you're a Christian. You don't try to do good things to become a better person. You get made a new person and then do good things. Does everybody get that? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, we are God's masterpiece or workmanship in Christ Jesus, created to do good things in him which he prepared in advance for us to do. So I am doing this because I'm a Christian, not trying to be a Christian. Knowing is what saved me. Showing is what now displays me. Okay, hello. You read your Bible. You have your family in order. Uh, you memorize the scripture. You journal from your soul what's going on in life. That's what the Psalms are, by the way, is men sharing what was on their heart. And uh, you pray and you worship. You disciple and become like Christ. You live like him. You, Christ, you serve like a Christian. Christian service. That's just not here. Everywhere you go, you do all things as unto the Lord. Tomorrow, you do all things unto the Lord. In your community, all things unto the Lord. Public evangelism, spiritual meditation. You don't have to do the crooked chicken pose. Um, to meditate. Meditate as the Bible teaches to meditate. Financial stewardship. When Jesus picked one other competing God that would be the number one competing force in your life, he didn't pick the booty, fellas. He didn't pick pornography. Ladies, he didn't pick the charge card or going shopping. Sorry to be very typical, but I had to make an example. But he picked this as the number one competing thing. You can't have two masters. No one can serve God and money. Why? Because what's in your wallet sometimes will control your heart. Let what's in your heart control your wallet, okay? And then Christian fellowship and church involvement. I think if you summarize, and I've read the Bible many times, I think if you summarize the entire Bible, that's where it's at. Boom. And then now, by you showing it, by going, hey, God, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I'll start reading it. I don't know a lot about putting my family in order, but I'll start trying. I have never memorized something, but I'll start hiding the word within my heart that I won't sin against you. Not really good at writing, but I'll share my heart and thoughts to you in writing because I want to express myself as the, you know, the people of the Bible have. And I'll do discipleship. I'll join the 101, 201, and, you know, Christian service. I'll help out here. I'll, I'll be a help and a servant on my job. I won't come with a bad attitude. Public evangelism, I'll, I'll tell others about you who don't know you because it's so important that they do. And I'll make quiet time in my life where I'll just take deep breaths and think and use my imagination for your kingdom, not for winning the lottery. I'll use it for your glory. I'll hang out with Christians that sharpen my iron and edify me, and I'll be a part of a church because you said that you're building the church more than you're building my company, more than you're building a country. You said I'm building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail, so I want to be where you're building. Now what happens, those seven things 
begin to increase. See, goodness increases while you do these things. Knowledge increases while you do these things. Peter told you you need to grow in these things, and throughout the Bible it tells you how you do that. Self-control increases while you do those things. Perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Now think about this. Peter in his list here gives us seven and ends with love. Paul gives us another list called the fruit of the Spirit. These are the additions of faith that we learn from Peter. But Paul writes in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and how many attributes are there? There's seven, there's seven additions of faith, but how many fruits of the Spirit are there? How many? Shout it out if you know it. Okay, nine. And guess what? The additions of faith ends with love, but the fruit of the Spirit starts with what? Love. So now I've combined those two lists, starting with making love right there, and then I've brought in the ones that are missing from Peter's list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. How many want to grow in those 12 areas? If you want to grow in those 12 areas, here's how you do it. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and start displaying it these ways, and you will grow. You don't start off going, well, I want to grow in goodness. Here I am, God. You're going to look constipated and pop a blood vessel. Hello? Well, I'm going to grow in self-control. Okay, handcuff myself to my bed. I'm not leaving here until I'm in control of my life, you know. Deleting my Facebook account, that may be good for some of you. Could I keep dating the wrong person? Okay, well, really, what are you going to do to grow in self-control? What are you going to do? What are you going to do to grow in peace? How do you get peace? Where do you find it somewhere and just start growing peace? No, following God's commands is how we grow in peace. Following God's commands is how we grow in knowledge and self. See, the commands of God are a light to the soul and a light to our path. They're a foundation on which we build our life. The Bible is not just some little cute thing you have to have on your coffee table to look spiritual when your family comes over. The Bible is the living word of God that's active and able to cut apart the motives of your life and separate your ideas from God's ideas. And God's word is fulfilled and made true when you put it to practice. Well, it's already true, but made true in your life when you put it to practice. Can I hear an amen? So going back to this chart, you see the new man is made holy at the new birth. He is sanctified, which is a big word of just being cleansed from his past sins or her sins. And as they begin to want to grow, they know more about God. They show it, and then it actually changes their life and grows. And then what happens lastly is this renewal and transformation, which all of us want. We want the evidence that internally we've been changed and externally by our behavior. So renewal is when our thoughts begin to change. So, for example, I hate to bust anybody's bubble here, but I want to tell you all men by nature can easily have multiple sex partners in their life. Once again, remember we were born naughty by nature, and I'm a holy man. I haven't looked at pornography in over 20 years. I've been faithful to my wife for 11 years, and let me just tell you guys I'm telling the truth. That means today, if I don't grow spiritually, my mind will remain the same, and I can be like so many who have cheated on their wives. The flesh has not changed the day I've gotten saved. The body will still operate under pheromones, hormones, testosterone, etc. But how do I escape the evil desires? Remember, that's what Peter said I needed to do, escape those evil desires. Well, I need faith. And I need to have some obedience, and then I need some growth. And so what does that look like? That looks like a renewal of my mind. And so now today, when I see women here, I can see them as sisters instead of sexual objects. And when men make me upset, as sometimes happens when men disagree, I can see you as my brother instead of my competition as some animal. And now we need to fight and get it on like dogs. Hello. 
And that's what changes us. That's what changes the mind. That's what changes the body. How does a man go from being a sinner to a saint? By being born again and then growing in his new life, he will see renewal and transformation. That is how it works. That's how God created you to have a spiritual life. And this is the way I want you to look at it, is it's the Holy Spirit at every step of the way. So look at the process of the new man. That is the Spirit saving and sanctifying. That's the Holy Spirit that makes us new. Then the knowing, showing, and growing. That is the Spirit growing in us, and it's continual. And then the renewal and the transformation. That's the Holy Spirit renewing the mind and transforming the mind. How many are ready to read some of these scriptures. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, starting with the new man. Let's look at the new man. Would you help him back there, Jose, Jose, to get the scriptures up? We want to show you now. Go ahead and do that one more time, and I'll find it right here. Do that, please. Just, Just wipe right there. Okay, I got it. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Let's start with what happens at new birth. Here it is. To the church of the firstborn. How many are part of God's church, the firstborn? We could call ourselves that. It might be weird in this community. People wouldn't understand it, but that is the name of the church. And how many are happy that's the name? Because that means Jesus was the firstborn to raise from the dead. So if we all wanted to be legit, we could call ourselves the church of the firstborn. Church of the firstborn. Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. People were raised from the dead, but no one had had a resurrected body until Jesus whose names are written in heaven. How many of your names are written in heaven? That means you're a Christian. You have come to God, the judge of all. How many know God is our judge? How many know when people say only God can judge me? That's a scary thing, right? You're going to face a real scary judge one day, so you better be born again so you can be given eternal life, not judged as a sinner. Now watch this. To the spirits of the righteous made, made what? How are the spirits of the righteous made? Perfect. So do you have a perfect spirit? Some people say, well, nobody's perfect. Well, that's a lie. Only perfect people go into heaven. See, this will change the way you think. Do you always act as who you are? No, you don't. Let's think of the example. When my son was born, he was a Wyrostic. He is in the church or the house of the Wyrostics. His name is written on my will. I have a life insurance will if something were to happen to me. He has come to me, the father, the judge of all in that house. And guess what? His spirit is made by a Wyrostic. Well, excuse me, his body is made by a Wyrostic. He has a perfect Wyrostic DNA. There is no doubt that he is of me. He is not a Brown. He is not a Holt. He is not whatever. He is perfectly of me. Does he always act like it, though? Does he always follow my commands? No. But how was he made a perfect Wyrostic? Don't confuse, listen, don't confuse identity. We've talked about this before. Identity with maturity. My spirit has been made perfect like my heavenly father. Jesus said, be perfect, for your father is perfect. Peter also went on to say, be holy, for I am holy. But I don't always act holy. I don't always act perfect. But my spirit is perfect. Can I hear an amen? There is no different, there, there is no other spirit that God's going to give you. When it says those who are born of the spirit are given the spirit, what kind of spirit do you think you're given? Do you think you're given a jacked up spirit? What kind of spirit do you think is living on the side of you, like some ghetto spirit? Like, hey, man, I just came here from God, man. I'm just hanging out here today, man. Where's all the fun? That ain't your spirit. When you're born again, the spirits of the righteous are made what? 
Now, do you believe the Bible or not? That's up to you whether or not you believe the Bible. I, how many believe when you were born again, you were given a perfect spirit? Okay, now let's look to our soul because we are body, soul, and spirit. The spirit is what gives us life and allows us to participate in the divine nature. Our soul is the unique part of us that makes us who we are as a person. It, it's what gives us our personality. Many of us like to think of it as our mind, will, and emotions. So let's go now to 1 Peter, another letter written by Peter, chapter 1, verse 22, and see what happened to our soul. Now I'm going to go to a more older translation to King James so you can see it as it says it more clearly. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So when I put my faith in Jesus, or rather I put my trust in Jesus, is my soul purified or left dirty? Purified. So let's go back to that chart. Let's look at it. The new believer's perfect spirit and the purified soul are given by the Holy Spirit at new birth. Have you been born again? How many have been born again? Now you have a new man on the inside of you, a new spirit that has come from God and a purified soul. Now, the knowing and the growing, we've already read in 2 Peter, so we don't have to go through all of that. But I would say, look with me now to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, so you could see that passage that uh, uh, Paul was talking about. Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul. I get them mixed up all the time. How many ever heard the phrase, Peter and Paul? Now you know why, right? Because they're Peter and Paul. Peter, they're, they're like little buddies, and they write so much together. And actually, Peter is one of the verifications of Paul's apostleship. So don't take that lightly. When you read in the book of Peter that Paul's script, that Paul's writing is to be attributed to Scripture. That is Peter giving Paul the highest uh, accommodation he could have. Now look at this. This is how P uh, Paul describes. Still have hard. This is how Paul describes it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now watch this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Can I show you the sister, the sister text of that, which we have already seen in 2 Peter? We've already read it. Let me show it to you, the, the, the sister passage of this, escaping, escaping the desires of Call, uh, escaping the world caused by sinful desires. Right here. Look at this. Am I forget? Yes. Buy these things. There we go. Look at this. So that you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by what? Now, where did Paul say these evil desires come from? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here, I'll make the word dance. How many want to dance with the word a little bit? A little Bible dance. See, Peter is saying you escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires when you participate in the divine nature Paul is saying when you're living by the Spirit, your flesh is crucified with its passions and desires. So now can you read into Peter right here, what am I escaping? Look at it. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by the evil desires. What particularly right there do I now know from Paul that I am escaping? 
But evil desires are found where? In Marilyn Manson music videos, where are they found? The flesh. By you being made new in your spirit, purified in your soul, you escape the flesh. Before Christ, you are your worst enemy. Before Christ, you will damn yourself. You will not blame it on the devil nor Adam and Eve. Let me show you. You stand between Adam and Eve and the devil. Adam and Eve might have given you a flesh, but you choose to do it. The devil may be tempting you to do it, but you have the will to choose. You will go to hell, neither for Adam and Eve giving you a sinful nature, nor for the Satan and his temptation, but rather your own choice. Jesus is saying, therefore, make that choice to believe in him, and you will escape the desires of this world. Your flesh will be crucified. Now look at the complementary nature right here. Uh, Peter said that we participate in the divine nature. But how do we participate in the divine nature? Paul clarifies, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So now we know to escape evil desires is really to escape our what? Our flesh. Come on, guys, wake up. To escape our evil desires is really to escape our flesh in participation in the divine nature is really to stay in step with the spirit and see when I do that I have the fruit of the spirit and I will not do the deeds of the flesh see Peter did not mention what it looks like when I become nearsighted and blind but these are the acts of the flesh sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry just stuff you see on TV every day witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy drunkenness orgies and the like in case you forgot me I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God and once again, that is complementary to what we learned right here that says if we don't have these things, we are nearsighted and blind, forgetting that we've been cleansed from past sins. So if we stop doing the things that Peter's saying or stop doing the things that Paul's saying, we're going to live by the flesh. But if we hear this kind of stereo sound of the Bible, what we see is that spiritual growth really just simply looks like this. It looks like a new person being purified in their spirit, being uh, purified in their soul, made new in their spirit, and then knowing, showing, and growing. And that's the same idea in Peter and in Paul. How many learned sons say amen? It's really not me. I just wanted to stop and have you guys understand that. Let Peter and Paul compliment each other as you read the scripture. Now, looking at number three, renewal and transformation. Let's look at the image of Christ is our goal on this earth. Not in heaven, but on this earth. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Everybody say the image of Christ. So everybody goes, uh, you, know, in the, you know, like, oh, there was only one Jesus. I can't expect to be like Jesus. Hold on. Jesus expected me to be like him. That's why I'm supposed to be a Christian, a Christ-like person. That's why I'm supposed to be godly, uh, godly, not Lady gaga i I'm supposed to be like God and godly, not Lady Gaga, right? Hello? See, look at Colossians 3.10. And ha look, I'll just go up right here, verse 9. It says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. You've taken it off. It's off with its practices. Stop doing that naughty stuff. Stop doing the things your body, your flesh wants to do. You've escaped the desires of this world. You have crucified your flesh. There's three testimonies to this. Paul in Colossians says you've taken off your old self. Peter says that you have escaped the corruption of this world caused by your evil desires. And Paul once again in Galatians says that your flesh is crucified. Are we getting the point? We're supposed to be living a different kind of life. What kind of life? A spiritual life. Come on, what kind of life? A spiritual life. Amen. 
And I'm not talking about Casper the Ghost Spirit or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some psychic spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now watch, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Well, what's the goal of the new self? Just to may, remain messed up until I get to heaven and keep making excuses saying nobody's perfect? No, you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Oh, come on. I wish somebody said amen because that's a mic drop moment right there. It is getting renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I think some of you all forgot what the Peter chapter said, what, the, what Peter said. It said right here that you... Um, Right here, have been given everything you need for a godly life by his divine power through our knowledge of him. So what is the knowledge of him that I'm supposed to have? That I was born again in his image. That I was born again in his image, y'all. Because I don't always think like that. So I need to be renewed to that. Renewed means go back to new. Rewind goes back to the beginning. Hello, I'm not continually being made new, 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 new over and over again like a progress bar. I'm, I'm 30% a Christian today, Pastor. I'm doing so good. I'm growing. I'm growing. And then next week, I'm 40% a pastor, Pastor. I'm 40% a Christian, rather, Pastor. And then all of a sudden, you sin. Now you're 35% again. No. When I was born again, instantly I became a new creation, perfect in my spirit sanctified in my soul, made in the image of God. But every day I need to be renewed to that because I have competing thoughts from my flesh because my brain is not my mind. My brain dies. My mind goes with my soul. My will is not my stomach. My stomach dies. My will goes to heaven. Amen. Tell your stomach that. Hello. You control your stomach, not your stomach controlling you. So you see, in the spiritual growth, there is the renewal that comes out of that. The mind begins to change, and you go, yep, I really believe I am who God said I am, and I'm going to live like it. And if I forget it, I'm going to ask him to renew my mind again. Renew me again, God. Wash me again. My brain needs washing. i got to get rid of stinking thinking. And see, look at what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 says about your thinking. Can I show you that? How many want to see Ephesians 4, 23? All right, two of you. For you, this is for you. Watch it. Ephesians 2, 4, 23. This is so amazing. Now we've gone to number four, confirmation of our old self to new self, just in today's message. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Sounds like Colossians, doesn't it? Why? It's the same author, Paul. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And to be made new. Where are we being made new? In the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Somebody needs to get that in their heart today. November 5th, 1995, this happened in my life. That's the only reason why I'm here as your pastor today. I did not go on a self-help trip of religion. I didn't go discover myself. I repented, died to myself, and was given a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Any time I've ever messed up is because I didn't believe that. And any good thing I've ever done is because I believe that. God's asking you to do the same thing. He's saying, do you believe I made you to be like me? I created you? in true righteousness and holiness, that your new self is perfect in the spirit, 
purified in the soul and that now all you have to do is just trust me day by day by day to do what I said I could do in you. Do what I said I could do through you. So that's where we have to just say, man, God, I believe. I trust. And that changes your mind. That changes the attitude of your mind. Because if you're just like, man, I don't believe that, you'll never have that. You'll never have what you don't believe. You have to start somewhere and go, I believe him. If Jesus is who he said he is, going back to that original list that I showed you, if Jesus is who he said he is, if he's God and Savior, there is nothing impossible for him. When I talk to atheists and they're like, well, explain this, explain a talking sh- a snake, I said, I only got three words for you. In the, be- uh, four words, in the beginning, God. If those first four words of the Bible are true, I can believe everything else because God can do all things. And God can use things that I don't even understand for his glory. And that will blow your mind if you want to sit and think about that. It doesn't matter if you feel like it on the inside right now that you are created in true righteousness and holiness. He didn't say you'll feel like it. He just said you'll be made new and you must believe it. To be made new in the attitudes of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then there, that after the renewal, now comes the transformation. You'll see this pattern all throughout the Bible. Renewing the mind, transformation. Renewing the mind, transformation of behavior. Mind the than your body, mind than your body. But it comes from the inner man knowing, growing, and showing. That's where it comes from. And it's not as complicated as some of you think it is. I can find it in every passage in the Bible that deals with the Christian life. And so once again, he says, put on the new man. Start there. Get made new. Create to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And he's showing you that's the spiritual growth, you knowing and acting like that. And then here comes that renewal. Here comes that transformation. Therefore, put off falsehood. Stop lying. Speak truthfully to each other. You see, in your anger, don't sin. You see, why is he expecting you to do stuff now? He's expecting you to do stuff because you've been made new to do the stuff. That's why he can expect it, and it's just good to always go over that passage again, but I just want you to see it because I've referenced it, but I just want you to see Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I quoted it, but look at it for your own self. For we are God's handiwork. How do I do all that stuff on the outside? Because God created me first on the inside. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So when you look at the spiritual life, when you look at it, this is who God has made us to be. I want you just to see these three scriptures before we go. Can I show you three more scriptures? Amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. In closing, here it is. In closing, saying it for the fifth time in a different way, maybe the tenth time, I don't know. But I want you to see it. Hebrews 10, 14. Look at it. This talks about the new man. Look at what it says here. I'm going to show you in the um, NET version. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. Did Jesus die one time on the cross for you? On that cross, what did he do for all time? He what? Perfected you. Are you made holy or not holy? Holy. Amen. Let's go to the next thing. Spiritual growth. Second Peter 1.8. We've heard it over and over today. Let's hear it again in closing. 2 Peter 1.8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. How many now know it's time to grow up before God throws up? Amen. It's time to stop making excuses. And then let's look to this last one, 2 Corinthians 3.18. A continual renewal and transformation because of who God made me to be on the inside. Look at what it says here. 2 Corinthians 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let's start in verse 16. Let's go to verse 16. Look at here. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You remember it talked about people being nearsighted and blind? Peter talked like that. That's always the language of people who are, like, not living for Jesus. They're spiritually blind. You come to Jesus, the veil's taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on, somebody. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate. The Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. And here is in the King James, it says are changed into the same image from glory to glory, not from glory to glory. Oh, I keep messing up all the time. No, from glory to glory to glory. Yes, God will forgive you of your sins. But the point is, stop committing them. Go from glory to glory. My wife me, forgave me of the mistakes I made in our first year of marriage. But after 11 years, she expects me to learn a little something, right? She expects me to know, show, and grow. Hello? She expects the renewal of my mind and the transformation of my life. That is all the Spirit. So I want you guys to think about this in closing today as Brandon comes on up, please. Let's give it up for BZ as he comes. God bless you, man of God. Jesus at the center of it all. I want you to see this as we close out now. Thank you for coming today. The new man starts you off in your spiritual life. Spiritual growth comes natural to the new man, but it must take your trust and obedience. When you do that, renewal and transformation comes. So if you want your life to be transformed, don't start by trying to transform yourself. Start with becoming new. Does everybody get that? If you find yourself somewhere in the growing process struggling, then that's where you need to focus. So I've lost 60 pounds. But where are the last pounds the hardest come to come off? Right here. Is this going to come off just by me doing uh, bicep curls? No, I need to focus on this, don't I? Hello, I lost 68 pounds, and I'm keeping it real with you guys. i got to focus here if I want this to come off. You look at your life and go, I'm not growing very well in these areas. Okay, so what do you do about it? You know and show. So if you look at what you want to grow in, you're like, man, I need to grow in self-control. I need, I need to grow in that. Okay, learn God's word about self-control. Learn the scriptures. Then show it by doing what they say. And I guarantee you that showing will probably fit into that list of 12. So let's say you lack self-control with pornography. Gentlemen, let me keep it real with you. Okay? Read the scriptures that talk about self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given you the, the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, or a sound mind. Read that scripture, and then now apply it. Christ-likeness and discipleship. Start a 101 discipleship with someone in this church. Be like the early disciples who hung out with each other and kept each other accountable. Do you think that if you have to confess to a dude every week, whether you looked at NaughtyWebsite.com, don't you think after a while that the showing is going to begin to help you with the growing because you're knowing the truth of God and it's going to transform your behavior and your mind will be renewed? you think it will work? Haven't looked at it in 20 years. Worked for me. Worked for me. What sin do you want me to help you with? Give me another example out of the congregation. I said pornography, so that's the weird one. That's a little embarrassing. But what's one? Come on, shout out one. Drinking. Thank you. 
to be drunk is a sin. To drink in moderation is a good time. Amen. Okay. Half kid. You guys are a tough crowd today. Okay. That makes me want to go and have a beer. Now, in our church, we drink in moderation. Jesus made wine, not grape juice. Okay. Drunkenness. You learn. You know. Know what he says about it. So the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what are some things here that you can begin to show that you know what God says about that? I would say soul journaling. Just to pick out one, just one, soul journaling. Every time you feel like abusing alcohol, go take a prayer walk, listen to your heart, and learn why that's in your life, and start to write it out, and then go four to five, go from soul journaling to praying and worshiping, and maybe add a little six and seven in there. Get a little discipleship as well. Do some Christian service. Get your mind off what you've been doing. Break the habit. I didn't take 12 steps to Jesus. I took one step. That's how I got off drinking and drugs, smoking. Many people in our church get delivered the same way. Why? Because you know what God says. You go, I believe that. Then he goes, okay, if you believe that, now do that. And you're like, okay. And then you grow. And what are some of the things you'll have to grow in? I'm not meaning you personally, but the person that's struggling with that, you'll grow in perseverance, you'll grow in self-control, you'll grow in knowledge, you'll grow in godliness because Jesus drank but didn't get drunk, right? You'll you'll grow in joy because you'll learn how to have joy from the Spirit, not from a bottle because I can be happy both ways. Sometimes people are like, Pastor, you must have been drinking today. And I'm like, I haven't done anything. I'm just high on life, high on Jesus, right? Shout out a couple more. Let's do two more examples before we leave. Give me another one. Anger, beautiful. And I know all of us can relate to that in one way or another. So we get to knowing here. You can do all that God commands you to do. We've read a scripture that says, in your anger, sin not. So now we need to discern, when can I be angry and when can I not be angry? Because not all anger is sin. It says, in your anger, sin not. So yes, I got angry the other day when a guy cut me off because I've already been in an accident where a guy wasn't paying attention and it wrecked into my wife broke her leg and sent our church, our family into turmoil, right, in months and months and months. So I got angry that this joker just cut in front of me because I'm like, dude, you can ruin my whole life because of your stupidity. But how do I now know what to do? Well, the spiritual meditation is one of my favorites because now I got to meditate in my heart wherever I'm at. See, I, I don't have to do the chick, crooked chicken pose. I can do it immediately and go, God, deep breath because breathing helps your body calm down. Deep breath. God, what do you want me to do? And nine times out of ten of my anger, God says, forgive. And then he has me meditate on his forgiveness, the cross, his love, his patience. And so now the situation begins to dwindle in size because I see him forgiving me. And whatever I was angry about probably is not worth the action, right? We're not in war. Many of us will not have to murder. Most of us today are not policemen or military, right? Sometimes you have to use the sword to stop bad people. Most of us, it's arguments. It's in the family, father, son, wife, children. You know, it's, it's disagreement. So what? No show grow. Know what the Bible says about anger. Show it, I would say, in spiritual meditation. And I would always add number six, discipleship in Christ's likeness, because that's going to put accountability in your life. Soul journaling. Another, you know, just why I get angry. Hello? Memorize the scripture. Be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me. Be angry and sin not. Give me another one, please. Another one. Ooh, greed. You said greed? There you go. Well, starting with, that's an easier one because it's actually listed here. Number 10, when I am obedient with my finances, I'm learning 
to teach myself not to be greedy. Because how many know if you learn tithing and you're obedient to that and you're giving God that 10% every week, every month, every paycheck, how many know that already stops half the desire right there? Because you're like, that belongs to God. That belongs to God. Every week you're telling yourself, the first part of this belongs to God. Now the other 90% we can do with what we want, you know. So what I would then do is start to read the Bible and see God's plan for my life so that I can financially support those plans. Because God uses money to support the plans of our life, even in the Old Testament, right? God said, I give you the power of wealth so that I can confirm my covenant with you. God wants to give you wealth so that his covenant of blessing on your family can be confirmed, uh, home ownership. These are dreams and visions that God can put in your heart to do. Now, how will you know the difference between greed and need? How will you know the difference? You'll learn that in praying and worshiping, number five. As you pray and worship, it's like, God, do I need this car? You know, so for me, I've never owned a new car. I've always had hand-me-downs, used cars, right? Well, it was time to get a minivan, and I bought a used minivan. The thing kept breaking down on me. I know I want a big family. We're now on our fifth. I already had four. And I said, God, should I lease or own? And I've talked to God about it. Do I always do it right? No, but you see, greed is broken off my heart because I'm realizing I'm spending the money he gave me to honor him with. So praying through those decisions. One of the worst decisions I ever made was to assume I knew God's will, spend a lot of money on a building for our church. We couldn't afford it, and we ended up having to leave. So I've experienced it in some of the worst ways, making those decisions. I stumbled big time because I wasn't listening. And I even remember my pastor saying to me, he said, you better pray about this first. And I said, yeah, I think I already got the go-ahead. But I really had it. I just felt good. And you know the difference. Those of you who walk with God for a little bit, you'll know the difference between a felt greed in your heart to the spirit-led need. You'll start to learn the difference. And I'll, and I'll uh, introduce you to people in our church if you don't know them, and they'll show you, like, I've been doing this for a while, and there's a difference, and God will show you how to do that. One last one. Somebody shouted out another one. What was your? Did you say another one? Okay, anybody else? Let's get one more. Jealousy. There you go. Learn the scripture about not envying. Number three, of knowing. I know that God doesn't like when I envy. Envy shows an insecurity in my life. It shows that I don't trust God to do for me what he's done for others. Now how am I going to learn to show that I'm trusting him? I would say Christian service. Start to serve people. When you start serving people, it actually changes the way you look at life. Why is it you think that the celebrities go and even do it? The goodwill feeling, they call it, right? Why is that? Because serving humbles you and says, I probably don't need all of this. You join our Wednesday program where we bus in kids from the west side, have about 30 to 50 kids here. You'll stop being jealous in other areas of your life. Even though they don't seem to be connected, just by you serving, you're showing God, it's not just about me. It's about your kingdom. So I'm going to serve. And then your heart will start to change when you look at stuff. I guarantee it. You find somebody not serving, you'll find a jealous person, someone that's envious. You know a lot of pastors like I do, a lot of musicians. When they lost that servant's heart, now they jealous, now they hate. And then what does that jealousy lead them to? Other sins. Some of your heroes and my heroes have cheated on their wives that they had for 20, 30 years. But once they became big stars, now that little thing shouting in the front looked better. Why? Because they didn't know how to be satisfied with what God had. Jealousy is an insecurity towards what God has given you. Can we stand up and give Jesus some glory for his word today? Come on.
Altar Workers Band, would you come? Thank you guys for your patience. I hope you enjoyed the application section here. Think about it like this. The spiritual life is one of new birth, growth, along with renewal and transformation. Everybody say this with me. New birth, growth, renewal, and transformation. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me today? Let's focus on our lives before we go. Close your eyes with me. And let us focus now. Would you take a few moments? I'm just going to kneel because I've been standing. But would you look at your heart right now and just be honest with yourself? Let's start with the new man. Is there anybody here today that's not a new person? Maybe you've been religious and you've forgotten who you were in Christ, maybe you backslid, or maybe you've never known him. Either way, just today you're not who you're supposed to be. Right where you're at, will you confess that to Jesus? Confess your sins and put your trust in him. Be born again right now. It's instantaneous transformation. Whether you feel it or not, some do, some don't, it doesn't matter. It's a fact. If you confess your sins and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you'll be saved right now. Right now, do you need new life? Do you need your spirit to be given to you new by Jesus? Do you need your soul to be purified? If you do, just pray. Come on, Lord, forgive me. Change me. Give me a new spirit. Change my heart. Purify my soul. I believe in you. Now for the others, you may say, yeah, Pastor, I'm a Christian. But my spiritual growth, it's been lacking in some areas. Okay, what are those areas right now? Where are your love handles? As I was giving that as an example of the body needing to transform. Where are your areas that need to change? Right now, pray and ask God to give you wisdom. Just don't say like, oh, Lord, change my attitude. No, say, God, how do I change my attitude? What do you want me to do? One of the reasons why I pray walk every day, as much as I can, I should say, I pray or walk, is because it gets my mind focused on everything God wants me to do for that day or the next day. You know, it's just like that, that just centers me. Praying and worshiping. Some of you guys, it's going to be a lot of the simple things like praying, worshiping, going to church, right? But ask him, ask him, God, how do I do this? How do I start to transform and grow from glory to glory? right now. So you're either asking God to make you a new person or to show you how to be the person he already made you to be. I'm going to give us about 60 seconds to do some inner prayer and reflection right now. And feel free to journal if you want.
sing this in closing, but before you sing it, just pray as he's singing because he's just trying to set the attitude of worship. Is your heart right? Come on. It will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, because nothing else matters. And nothing in this world will do. you look up at me please before we go we're going to close in worship and prayer so if you would like to do that we call that the after party so after I dismiss you can find someone to pray with or just hang out and worship but I want us as a church to see how this song applies to the series and that's because Jesus is the center of our lives and all of those things rotate and grow and transform but Jesus and his image in us never changes Never. And that's how we need to be secure in our Christian life. Is that even though I'm not where I'm should, I should be in these areas, that doesn't mean God's not in me, that my soul hasn't been changed. I don't want to be nearsighted and blind forgetting what God has done. When I meet somebody loving their sin or living in sin, the problem isn't that they weren't a real Christian. Some people will be like, well, maybe they weren't really a Christian. No, they just forgot what made them a Christian. I don't follow the laws of the Bible. I don't do those Christian disciplines because I have to. I do it because I want to. I do it because my heart is so full of God that those are the manifestations of what it looks like. I love my wife, so I want to know her. I want to show it, and I want to grow in it. I have chosen to love my wife till death do us part. And that's what our Christian life needs to look like, a choice to say, I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. Because uh, Peter knew Judas left. And I don't know if that's who he had in mind, but he said it's like they're blind and they forget who they are. And I know a lot of Judases in my life. And you may know people have quit on God. These empty chairs may represent some of them, right? But here's the deal. Peter made mistakes, even denied Christ. Man, he wanted to give up. But he said, I'm going to keep going. When Jesus came and said, I'll give you another chance, he kept going. And that's how you got to look at your life is I'm going to serve God no matter what comes in my way because this is the life I want to live, a spiritual life. Augustine, would you pray for us in closing? Yes, Lord, thank you, God. You are so good, Lord. Thank you for being in the center of our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we leave today, Lord, that we would walk, Lord, in acknowledgement, Lord, that to add all these things to our lives, Lord, so that we can know you more, Lord, and show it, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will bless each and every person here, Lord. And I pray that their spiritual lives, Lord, will be increased every day, Lord. Every day to serve you, Lord. Bless this day, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you next time. If you need prayer, come on up. Or just worship with us in the after party. Come on, brother. Finish it out today. Come on. Jesus, Jesus be the it's all about you. It's all about you.
God bless you as you go. Or if you stay, keep Jesus at the center. To the heavens. Jesus be the center. It's all about you. center of my life. Jesus, Jesus, be the center of my life. Come on, sing it. Jesus, oh, how many believe that today? Oh, from beginning to the end, it will always, always in you, Jesus. Just one more time, come on. Jesus, be the center of our lives today. And Jesus, be the center of my life today, God. Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Wherever you want to go, take us there. Thank you, brother.